Hey everyone, Tom here, back with yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. Today, we aren't looking back at any song in particular, rather a concert, that being when Metallica were in North Carolina at the PNC Arena, January 8th, 2019. You know, you know we're going to go through that. It's always good just to have people on, just to talk about the band. Clinton Ethan, I'm sorry, I know it appears like I'm stealing your Metal Tales from the road, but it is always fun to go back through shows, this kind of unique moment in time, before to seeing them myself for the second time coming up in Twickenham so uh, yeah we're going to go through the concert all of that sort of stuff I want to shout out today's guest who you know one of the great joys of the show as I say is having return guests having people that maybe you haven't spoken to for a year or so but have had great episodes with and there's an odd bit of um, synchronicity I was just saying to the guest beforehand between the subjects we covered and what I'm doing right now so I just covered Minus Human uh, with Aureline. That was a really great episode. And, you know, with my guest, uh, we went through S&M. And then we also went through Free Speech of the Dumb Uncovering, uh, The More I See with Dave tomorrow, another Discharge song. But, uh, yeah, always great to have him on the show. Russell, how's it going, man? Hey, man. Happy to be back here. Thanks for having me. Of course. And, you know, today we're also going to look back. You saw the band in... Around 2000, was that? Yeah, it was 2000. It was uh, in New Jersey at the Tattoo the Earth Festival. Mm. Um, so that was six months after I saw them in uh, in New York for S&M. And uh, there were two very different shows. Actually, all three shows I went to are just completely different experiences, which is really funny. I mean, that's one of the great things about the band, isn't it? They're not When you look at their history, they're not repetitive. They go through these giant paradigm shifts you know, they're still playing Fade to Black or whatever, the same as they were in 84, but they are just this new glorious mutation of the band. It's one of the great things about Metallica. I don't know, some bands, I say like the Rolling Stones, for example, they're very static in their imagery and themes. Like, Yeah, I agree. Even the set lists are really similar, but it's the presentation or just the general energy coming off of the band um, or even the people that are in the concert, you know, are different. Um just the general vibe, like the the show I just went to, I noticed um, one of the common themes that was really funny was uh, the age of the band. Uh, the band made several comments on stage about how old they were, how old the audience was. Yep. Um, Jim Brewer even, you know, Jim Brewer came out and did like a, uh, a warm up for the crowd and had kind of a running contest to find the oldest person in the arena, which is really funny. That's cool. Um, I think the oldest person was like 65 or something like that. Okay. Everybody, everybody gave him like, you know, a, a, a hell yeah at the same time. It was, <laughs> It was great. <laughs> I guess Ray Burton has to exclude himself from that contest whenever he's present in the building. But yeah, as always, follow the show at Metallica Pod just before we get into the concert. Uh, MetallicaPod at gmail.com if you want to come on the show, you want to discuss a song or anything like that. What have we got available? Remember Tomorrow, Ronnie Rising, Medley, Seek and Destroy, actually, which no one's really asked for. So if you want to come on the show and discuss Seek and Destroy, that's a particularly good song. I appreciate sometimes people get in touch with me on the show and they're like, can I be on? I'm like, yeah. And the next four songs I sent them are really sort of dry cut from albums you know <laughs> patreon is there itunes help support the show and however you can subscribe all that sort of stuff but um let's get into it then the pnc arena um i watched a little bit of footage online it's a pretty cavernous auditorium you know it was decent um it wasn't as big as giant stadium uh we were our seats were in the top riser um they looked a lot closer when I actually bought the tickets, but we were in the, the very top mezzanine section, but we were on the front row of it, so we were kind of on the bars. And um, my only complaint about it was uh, the sound would be a little bit muddled once you get to that height, I'm sure. 
you know, if you've ever been to a concert like that, you've set up top, you can see, you can hear how the sound kind of gets, I, you, like you said, it's cavernous, so it kind of all sort of gets muddled together after a minute. So, uh, you know, I saw the band for the first time October 30th, 2017 in Birmingham. Uh, it was an incredible show. And we did an episode on that show. And one of the things that's so fascinating with Metallica is who they have in their support slots. Like, it might actually be worth doing an episode in the future, now that I mention it, on, like, bands that have supported Metallica in some capacity, or in this case, uh, comedians. Because it is quite a novel approach that they have Jim, B- Jim Brewer here. I myself had Kavala Track, I think they're called, um, mm-hmm. which I think means Stranglehold. They're a pretty cool band, actually. Three guitar players, long heavy riffy proggy sequences i think they're touring with mastodon right now across the uk so yeah they're a fucking awesome band jim brewer were you like a big jim brewer guy before the show or you know what i really do like him um my first introduction was you know saturday night live and uh uh half baked of course legendary Yeah. yeah um when we arrived at the arena he was already kind of on stage and i've heard other Comedians talk about opening for bands. Um, I actually just heard this guy, what's his name, uh, Jeff Ross. He was mm. talking about uh, opening for the Wu Tang Clan That's cool. and how it was like just an absolute disaster. <laughs> if, if Jeff ro- roasted the Wu Tang Clan, that would be incredible. That would, yeah, I know. Dean Del Rey as well, the comedian, supported Alice in Chains recently. Oh, really? Mm. That's cool. It was fun. It was definitely like. Um, Jim Brewer has a really good energy and uh, he told this great story about um about the time that james hetfield asked him over for dinner uh for the first time and he was like hey jim you want to come over for dinner yeah yeah and he did like sort of his hetfield impression oh my god and and the place was just dying um i thought it was great and there was a great moment where jim brewer went back and it's online you can find it on youtube they just posted it the other day where he goes backstage and aziz ansari is hanging out backstage which you know, we're uh, my girlfriend and I were huge Parks and Rec fans, and uh, and that was awesome. And he would, he was just hanging out backstage, and he gave like a funny little two minute you know sort of bit, and uh, it was great. Yeah, it was. It That's was really great. Funny. Yeah, I need to seek that out. That's so cool. And mm-hmm. there's always people there, like in Birmingham. I wasn't sure at the time, but everyone confirmed to me after I mentioned it. Uh, Chris Jericho was basically oh. in front of me. I was basically in front of the recess in the stage where Lars's drum tech sort of, you know, work um, kept cool. places, yeah. And uh, he was there with some other people as well who, you know, whatever, VIPs, that sort of stuff. But yeah, um, online as well, as Metallica always do, they're so generous, there is the tuning room footage, which mm-hmm. I myself just watched briefly beforehand. It's like 12 minutes. It's got like 6,000 views because they're all unlisted on the website, which is quite an interesting way of doing it. I mean, personally, mm-hmm. I think they should just do their own YouTube channel or something like that. Like, you know, I know of brands that do that just if they just want to see it. They don't want the series to flood the whole thing. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really fucking cool. James starts playing some real rinky-dinky, like Flight of the Bumblebee fur release type melody. And they mm-hmm. all join in and they all do their own versions of it. And even Lars does like a version of it. Yeah, that's it. Now it's his turn. <laughs> Let's just all just go wild in that part. Even Lars can play it. Yeah. Two, three, four. you 
know, they're very playful with each other. James is full of whimsy. He's very joyous. And, like, there's a moment even where Lars is playing and the mic stand is slowly moving away from him. And James says, I think you need a mint. Uh, you know, they had that uh, They had that vibe the entire night. Um, there was a... So there's a section of the concert where Kirk and Rob will do a solo yeah. performance, you know, based on... They'll do like a tribute to whatever town they're in. Uh, they'll tribute like whatever band is from that town. So for Raleigh, it was Cannibal Corpse. Mm. And so they started playing this Cannibal Corpse riff together. I'm not, I, I don't really know them. So I, I didn't know the song. But uh, while they were doing it, James and Lars got on stage and all the lights went on in the arena. And James got on stage and started singing it like kind of mm. in a really goofy way. And Lars was kind of like, sort of half-assed playing it and it really felt like we were all just hanging out you know it was a really sort of carefree it was way different than I had ever experienced um seeing them you know 20 years ago it was just very like carefree and very like tongue-in-cheek relaxed laid back it wasn't like the sort of like in your face like aggressive you know atmosphere that I that I expected it to be and what were the big differences then between this showing in 2000 I think about this a lot and I want to say you know, the shows that I saw were pre-St. Anger, and I feel like after St. Anger and after that whole experience, you know, with some kind of monster and everything, it really kind of took the band from being the beast that it was for James Hetfield and sort of, he, I think, took a step back and realized, like, you know, how lucky he was and, you know, how, that they have this catalog of music that they can go and just play anywhere and sell out everywhere. And so... I feel like, you know, now that they're older, I mean, they're probably, what, mid-50s, late-50s now. It really felt like a little bit more of like a Grateful Dead-esque experience where the audience itself was like, you know, there weren't a whole lot of mosh pits. It was maybe like one or two. It was just a very, like, it was just a very loving family-type experience, um, like a club almost, you know? Mm. And in the... Um you know in the show itself and it's a huge feature of the tuning room section is whiplash and the mm -hmm. fact that the version they play of whiplash that you uh, that you saw is quite rare this includes the third verse which they often omit according to the website it's the first time in nearly six years that metallica performed a version of whiplash uh, it was last performed on june 8th 2013 during the orion music festival and yeah um so they debate including it lars asks why they cut it out um, James says it was quite embarrassing because of the lyrics. He's very candid in that way. Um, mm -hmm. They talk about the use of hotel rooms and motorways in the third verse. Um, huh. I'll just get the lyrics up now. Yeah, um, The show is through. The metal's gone. It's time to hit the road. Another town, another gig. Again, we will explode. Hotel rooms and motorways. Life out here is raw, but we'll never stop. We'll never quit because we're Metallica. So... Yeah, there is the, uh, the the glorious third verse, and James has to get his roadie to get the lyrics up and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's a real, you know, I, th I think a lot of people should check this out who are into the band. I really like seeing it. Why do we cut a verse out of that song? Anybody know? Because <coughs> we thought it was too long at one point. Okay. Let's put it back in. Let's cut a, cut a verse out and get the lights. It's the same amount of verses. It's the same song. Why don't we uh, put it back in? Okay. So whiplash. Look up verse three whiplash. It was probably really bad. It was like hotel rooms. Embarrassing lyric wise. Hey, 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 hey. Hotel rooms and motorways is a cool, cool lyric. It's because 
Hardly those, anyone knew what motorways were in this. This is the Scorpions. <laughs> Except every European band. Yeah, yeah. And Australian band. <clears throat> uh, you remember that? You remember that? We'll okay. the third cycle again. Play a bit of hardwired in this as well. Um, and they play oh, yeah. a bit of confusion. But um, let, let, let's get into the, the show as a whole. I'm guessing when the lights go down, the, the spines start to tingle, right? So the first thing that happens is uh, they play over the loudspeakers, ACDC's long long way to the top. And, uh, you know, I got to say, that song is, it's okay. Uh, When you're playing it over the loudspeakers, when it gets to the bagpipe bagpipe solo at minute 5.45, you're kind of ready for it to be over. Um, It was a bit piercing. Uh, But then I'm pretty sure the lights were on during that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the lights went out. Ecstasy of Gold starts. It's incredible. They had um, they had the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly video clips playing on the on the screens um, over the stage. And uh, then the and then the hardwired intro came out. Lars came out. I think they're all on stage. It's about on stage at this point. And uh, you know they let that hardwired intro go, and then once the song kicks into it, that's when the band kicks into it. The lights pop on, and everybody freaks out. Uh, and the trademark of the tour has been that one-two punch of hardwired outlets. I mean, arguably with Seek as well, following you know right. all, all, all those standard tactics. Like, how, how did that work for you, that trio of songs? So where we were sitting, hardwired when it came on. I mean, I know the song really well. I like the album a lot. Um, my girlfriend was with me. She had never. I mean, she's kind of like a superficial fan, so right. she knows, you know, the hits. She knows but, I Disappear. Uh, <laughs> she knows, um, you know, Enter Sandman, Nothing sure. Else Matters, all that. And Hardwired came on, and it was really muddled. Like, I only knew where they were at because I know the song so well. But if you mm. were just kind of listening for the first time, you'd kind of be like, what am I listening to? Um, it was really echoey and, and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, I was more than happy to... Uh, to see that, to see that, you know, kind of rock and roll. And like this set list is pretty similar to everything, to all the other shows that they're playing throughout the tour with a couple of swap outs. Um, So yeah, I mean, Hardwired, I love that song. Um, Atlas Rise is great too, but Hardwired is such a fun kind of motor breathy, uh, like a, like you said, like a one, two punch. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's a real smash and grab of a song. And it mm-hmm. kind of has, uh, you know, a very sort of died-in-the-wall riff there, yeah. And these songs work well together. And Seek is always a, a breath of fresh air in this spot. It makes a little bit more sense here, almost. You know, you know, early days, it was more of a rallying call, a sort of hark back to even prior days. But, but yeah, uh, Creeping Death was fourth, which I've never seen live myself. It's my favorite oh my God. song. I'm, I'm guessing it was great. I was so happy they played that. You know, we drove, uh, we drove five hours uh, to see the show. And I told her, I told my girlfriend, you know, the, the there's two songs that I want to hear. There's uh, Creeping Death um, and Master of Puppets. Mm. And those songs are kind of like swapped in and out on different shows. And I was kind of watching all the recent performances to see if they played it. And I think they had played it a couple of times. So I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get it. But when they started with Creeping Death, you know, I played it in the car for her a couple of times on the way up. I'm like, this is the one. This is this is like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is if you're going to get into any Metallica song, that's Hell probably yeah. the one to start with. And uh, man, when they when they came out with that, you know, going back to Seek and Destroy, mm. you know, that song was um, I'm kind of glad they played that early because, you know, you hear it a lot as a encore yeah. and they'll kind of extend it for, you know, 10, 12 minutes or whatever. And 
I think once you've heard it, you know, 15, 20 times, you're kind of like, okay, you know, next. Um, so I'm glad that, I mean, you know, even though they played it, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm glad they played it. But it was like, I'm glad they got that out early and they didn't really jam on it. I mean, they did the call and response, but they didn't really go like, you know, live shit binge purge. They didn't really extend it for, for very long. Um, but yeah, coming out with creeping death was, uh, just, and hearing the entire audience chant, chant, die, die was like, I mean, it's chills. It was so good. <laughs> uh, Unforgiven? Yeah, so Unforgiven for me was the, um, that was my personal highlight. Um, they opened it with an intro I had never heard before, and they must have recorded it during the Black Album days because it started off with sort of those, um, I don't even know what to call it, maybe like a spoon sort of tap. It's kind of got that rattlesnake mm. sort of sound effect to it. And you hear the you hear the bell, and you can hear a little bit of that acoustic guitar. Now James had a uh, he had an acoustic guitar on a stand, um, and so he would kind of lean over and sort of play the intro with the acoustic guitar on the stand. And then when it went to the electric version during the verse, he would kind of back off, go to another microphone, and start singing it. So it was pretty clever um, the way he had it set up. And uh, I was. I was shocked they played it because um, that is not really, that's not like an easy song to perform live, you know? Um, but it was good. The tempo was was slow and it kind of brought everybody down um, or it brought like, you know, kind of like the, uh, the frenetic nature of everything sort of like back a little bit. And it was a really beautiful, strong performance. That was the highlight for me. I was really surprised. Are you a fan of the drum cubes that are employed in now that we're dead? Um, yes, I was pleasantly surprised it, they brought the drum cubes down or maybe they came up from the stage. I don't remember exactly, but they started doing like a, uh, sort of like a drum solo all together. And I was like, you know, I was like, this is, it was fun. You know, it was, yeah. it was definitely different. Um, I, it was, it was unexpected for sure. And it kind of broke things up. And I, I think that kind of adds to the whole, like, we're all hanging out together sort of vibe rather than it being, you know, just a in your face, like let's, let's beat everybody up in the audience kind of feel. This was like, you know, they're just trying to do something different. And I welcome that, man. I, I, I think they were, uh, I think they were having fun. You could tell they were having fun. Um, did they do that at your show? They did. They did indeed. Yeah. yeah I think they've just been doing that throughout. Um, yeah. I mean, now that yeah, it's very, it's a poppy. It's quite an addictive song. Um, Love that song. Be covering it soon. Yeah, I do actually think it's got some really nice uh, rhythm playing as well from James and, and inflections. And it just, I don't know. It kind of almost has a. It feels a bit like shorty straw. Just the momentum of the riff of the chords, the the pulse of it. The da da da. I don't know. There's something mm. so uh, infectious about it. Confusion next. Confusion we have covered on the show. <clears throat> its trademark is that kind of that gnarled riff that they employ a lot, that kind of technique that we see on, on Hardwired and Death Magnetic. Was, was this a good version? Do you like the song? Or? It's better live, yeah. for sure. It's better live than it is on the record. Um, you know, when you're there and you're in the moment, uh, it's I, maybe everything's better, but I definitely enjoyed it live more than I enjoyed it listening to the on the album. Um, the album version is good. It's just dry. Yeah. And uh, live... I mean, the energy of the crowd, I believe the song was played a little bit faster, but I definitely enjoyed it better, you know, played live for sure. And something that's never going to leave the set is Bells. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that was my girlfriend's favorite track um, coming up. 
And uh, so she got one, you know, she got to hear one that yep. she really liked. That one and uh, Nothing Else Matters later on. Um, for whom the bell tolls, man. I mean, what else can you say about it, really? It's a classic. It's a staple. Um, everybody cheered. Everybody chanted. I, as many times as I've heard the song, when you see somebody who actually wrote the song play it, it kind of puts it in perspective for you. You're like, holy shit, these guys actually wrote this thing. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of in awe. It's like watching Zeppelin play, you know, <clears throat> um, Black Dog or something where you're just like, oh, man, like these guys wrote that. And uh, uh, yeah, just fucking awesome <laughs> um i really enjoyed my show the sanitarium performance and um, this is at number nine uh how, how did they do they killed it uh this was uh one that my girlfriend had never heard until our drive up to uh uh up to raleigh and we listened to this version and then um we're both kind of like undercover limp biscuit fans okay. from back in the day so we listened to we found on youtube uh Lip Biscuits Sanitarium. I don't know if you ever Shat- heard that. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that on Icon. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Shat- great. Shout out Wes Borland, like. Yeah. <laughs> he kills it. So we listened to that, um, and then when they, so when the song when they started playing it, I was like, oh, this is that Lip Biscuit song. She, she was kind of like, oh well, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> Damn. I love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if Lip Biscuit did it, then it's got to be good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Lip Biscuit. Yeah, they um. They sold like they, I was listening to the podcast recently. They sold like a million records in a week or something. I think that was like their second album. It's mad. They were huge. Yes, yeah. Metallica didn't moment. do that. Like, in time. Yeah, I know. Be, there needs to be an alphabetical Limp Biscuit podcast, and oh. uh, I think maybe you might be the man to do it. We get <laughs> we get into Whiplash now with the third verse. I bet no one, you know, maybe some trues cottoned on, but I think most people would have just enjoyed the ride. And it's so cool that tracks from their this is quite rare, I guess, a phenomenon tracks from the debut album are front and center in the set you know that's not to say there aren't great debut albums but you know often bands won't hark back especially rock bands who maybe have uh, roots in the 80s and stuff like that but but this whiplash is timeless to me mm-hmm. i saw that they whipped out um phantom lord at like a couple of shows yeah. and i was kind of i was kind of hoping for that some like real deep cut off the first album i'm happy for that we got whiplash i didn't know about the third burst thing until you mentioned it yeah yeah i bet um, no one did yeah, the last time I saw Whiplash was at that other concert in uh, in New Jersey, and uh, J- uh, Jason Newsted sang it because James had just gotten in some sort of skiing accident, hurt his back, so he took like a like a one or two song break. Mm. So they played Whiplash, and uh, Jason Jason Newsted sang it. So that was cool. I mean, yeah, it's a great song. Fucking love that song. Interfuel, which is you know a rare thing, a reload track that I do genuinely enjoy. And mm-hmm. it's weaponized here live. I think this is an essential cut for them to play. So Fuel had, without a doubt, the best intro uh, into the song. So after Whiplash was done, uh, all the lights came on, and James goes into the mic, and he's talking to everybody. He goes, everybody, everybody, listen up. I have an important announcement to make. And then he kind of lets it hang for a second. Everybody's dead quiet. And then he just goes into the, give me fuel, give me mm. fire, give me that which I desire, bam. And then the flames go up. The flames were set up in a ring around Lars's set. And they, it was just like, oh, like nobody saw it coming. It was, um, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. It was really cool. Really yeah. cool. When that song is going, you know, it really feels like the pistons are pumping. It's a well-oiled machine. It's other, uh, you know, mechanical bass cliches to say about the track, but it's a very good track. And, I know uh, your feelings on uh, uh, on Reload and Load. I've, heard, I've listened to a bunch of uh, yeah. recent episodes, and, <laughs> I, you know, I kind of agree with it you. It always comes up in the show. I always meant to shoehorn it in, like. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, feel I like you know, feel is just like one of those like diamond in the rough songs. I think how they opened the album with that, you know, because yeah. um, that probably saved Reload. To be honest with wow, you, wow, fuel saved Reload. That's that's a that's a good take. Yeah, I, can <laughs> I can see that. I can see Memory Remains as well. They were sort of doing a hard ride Atlas Atlas Rise there, sort of a one mm-hmm. punch, but yeah, no, yeah. Mm-hmm. So much of Reload, I just find very bland. I don't. I'm struggling to find any flavor in there. So we move forward then <laughs> um, into Moth, which uh, featured on Hardware, which we'll be covering in a few weeks. Um, actually, I, I, I'll give you this in return: Moth save Hardwired in my eyes. I ah. think I think the main riff of Moth as it goes into it from the chug, the the twist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know what I'm talking about in the chomp yep. that it has. It's, it's it's fucking fantastic. That's my favorite thing on Hardwired. That riff altogether. Absolutely. Um, on Hardwired, my favorite song is probably the uh, "Spit Out the Bone." Spit Out the but... Bone is good. Here comes Revenge. Main riff is very good. Oh, yeah, yeah, he killed it. Though. Moth into the Flame is great. We watched um, the Lady Gaga performance with, uh, <laughs> which is awful. That was just like me getting my girlfriend into the band and just being like, "Hey, look, Lady Gaga was on this, so it must be good," you know, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. I love that song. That. Um, I don't remember it too much from the show because at that point your brain's starting to get yeah. you know, a little mush. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, no, it's it's, it's weird, isn't it? It's um, you know, I, sh- I should hopefully uh, be going on this podcast soon where I'll be re- discussing a concert I went to in 2006. And it's like, thank God this YouTube because I don't really remember it. I'm like, oh, they played this song. Great. Like, you know, I wish I had a recollection of that. But um, I did that with uh, uh, Master Terrium. Do you, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, they did this, they did it for like a, uh, maybe like one or two tours where they mashed up Master of Puppets and Sanitarium. They called it Masterterium and they performed it at the concert I went to before that uh, 20 years ago in Jersey. And I, there's a, luckily there's a YouTube video of it and you know, they've all got goatees and the only one that looks the same is Kirk somehow. And uh, uh, just like a refresher course on like how they performed it, like where they where they sandwiched everything in and how they went back to Master Pub. It's uh, thank God they had YouTube because if you, if you haven't seen it or if anybody hasn't seen it, Master Terrium from uh, Tattoo the Earth is awesome. Totally worth seeing. And the last three songs of the first set are you know ironclad classics. Really, these are things people expect at concerts. Metallica never disappoint their customers or their audiences. They certainly bring the goods. We have Sad But True into One into Master of Puppets. Like that is, you know, for any band to conjure a trio of tracks <laughs> like that, it's unbelievable. That's why you're there. Um, yeah. Sad But True has never really been one of my top songs by them, but right. I gotta say, uh, I gotta say, watching them perform it was pretty epic they played it a bit faster mm. and um you know going from going from moth into the flame which was which is a little bit more frenetic and savage is a lot easier to digest um and just a lot more guttural and uh into one which i mean one is like you know yeah it's 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 their masterpiece it's it's epic yeah. one into master of puppets I mean, that that punch right there is <laughs> to end to end the set with master of puppets oh that was the one i i had i was hoping to get creeping death and master of puppets and i i went home pretty happy yeah yeah no they they're not sort of drawing on old b-sides here they really are bringing a modern rock show to the masses but still 
with a you know a toe in the puddle of obscurity fight fire with fire open the encore wow what a shock mm-hmm. like it was such a surprise because um, I didn't see this on any of the lists that set lists that I looked at. They uh, the lights went down, the uh, uh, intro came over the loudspeakers. I knew what it was. My girlfriend had no idea, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they when they went into it, I mean, I was so happy. Like that is, yeah. I mean, deep cut. Even though it's the first track off right yeah, yeah. it's still kind of a deep cut. Yeah. And uh, man, I mean, who wouldn't be happy with that? So yeah, it was it was epic. It still takes my brain a second to process that riff when I listen to it. It's just so fast. It, just it doesn't make sense. No, yeah. <laughs> um. It, yeah. Uh, check out the episode we did on that as always. And the final two songs. I love the transition here when Hets on his knees after the solo from Nothing Else Matters into mm. Enter Sandman. Hmm. Yeah. Um. These two are pretty coordinated. You know, the whole show was pretty coordinated with the video screens, the lights and everything. And I'll be honest, like I really enjoyed those two, but it sort of felt kind of stock, you know, to right, use their term right. from the movie. Like you could tell they played it a million times. I love how Hetfield gets the solo in and nothing else matters. Yes. Um, and of course everybody loved Enter Sandman. People started leaving probably around Enter Sandman. They knew the end of the show was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, um, having a song like Nothing Else Matters that even my girlfriend knows and everybody knows that they can all sing along and it's very sort of melancholy. Um, it's just a nice break. It's a nice... This show had a lot of ups and downs, you know, between the Unforgiven one, Nothing Else Matters. Like, it had a lot of hills and valleys. Mm. And I really like that. Instead of just like that straight-ahead, aggressive, like, we're going to kick your ass for two and a half hours, it was very, like, you know, kind of evenly paced throughout the whole thing. So... Um, one thing I forgot to mention was during Moth into the Flame, if uh, I, I don't know if they did this at your show, but they actually set out drones. Uh, yes, yes, those were around there. Yeah, they did that. So uh, my gr- so we're sitting we're sitting way up in the rafters, and uh, our 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 minds are kind of elevated. I'm not gonna lie. Right, right. And when those uh, when those drones came out, we were just like we were sitting so far away, we couldn't see the little spinning blades or anything. And so we're just like, what is happening right now? Um, we just we thought we were hallucinating. And they did this sort of choreographed dance like above the band. And I thought that was just really clever. I saw something like that at one of the Super Bowl halftime shows. Right. But talk about production. I mean, that yeah. was that was really well coordinated. Yeah. Innovative as well. And mm-hmm. a nice kind of, you know, they've done so many live shows now. A nice way to just mix it up. Yeah, it is a, a really wide spe- wild spectacle. So, yeah, I mean, people, you can go and you can download this show and listen to the show, if you so wish, on Metallica's website. Um, as always, you can follow the show at MetallicaPod. Get in touch with me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. Um, Russell, anything for yourself you'd like to share? Um, just, uh, check out my band squash grooves on Facebook. Uh, I, I forgot got... that was you. I do follow yeah. you on Instagram and it does come oh, up sweet. regularly. So yeah, I knew, I knew, no, no offense, but I knew it was like someone from Amitalica, <laughs> but I couldn't quite remember. Yeah, man. Uh, we're, uh, you know, we're like a jam funk progressive rock, uh, kind of thing. And, um, we've got a bunch of, uh, really big shows coming up. Um, you know, we're all, we're all dads. We all have jobs, but, uh, still you know, got we a play you still got a jam exactly and, and we cover some metallica from time to time but it's mostly like more like funk and 
you know, we do a lot of Prince and James Brown and Yo, Grateful I love, Dead. I love Prince. You love Prince? Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I've literally got into Prince probably in the last two years or something, like quite recently. Um, his second Same. album, his, um, his, his self-titled is just... It's a masterpiece. Like um, for me, it's Lotus Flower. Oh my God, I've Lotus, Lotus Flower. Oh, Lotus Flower. Yeah. it, it kind of Lotus Flower was you know from start to finish. It sounds like he recorded it all in one session, mm. and uh, it's 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 great. It's more of like a funk sort of like rock record as opposed to his sort of like R and B dance kind of stuff. It's really good. Okay, interesting. I'll check yeah. that out. Yeah, but it's just sounding like songs like "I Want to Be Your Lover," which is six minutes long. And the first two minutes mm-hmm. is just this incredible pop song, like he's playing all the instruments, it's brilliant. And the last Absolutely. like three minutes is just like instrumental jam, like like on the song, like mm-hmm. in a pop song. You just you never really encounter that. So uh, I think there are quite a few Prince podcasts out there. I normally urge people to do stuff on that, but maybe the Limp Bizkit one will be better suited. <laughs> I really think there would be an audience for that. The um, probably you know the uh, hot dog <laughs> flavored water. I'm sure could be an opus on that. But um, yeah, again, follow the show, help support the show. The, we, in terms of the show itself we're releasing this uh, on the monday and then we'll have the next episode which is more i see out soon in the next few days as well but that doesn't really matter unless you're not listening in the next week so yeah this has been tom um reviewing the show russell it's been great thank you again man thanks for having me man i love your show love listening to it so uh keep up the good work 